They're someone you should definitely look up to. You are listening to the Assistant Principal's Office, the podcast dedicated to inspiring, equipping, and empowering you as you serve in education. Get ready. Let's go. Your planning hour is in session, baby. And now, here's your host, Principal P, the MC. MC. Yo, another edition and episode of the Assistant Principal's Office brought to you by Principal P. DMC. I have an amazing guest today. Another one, man, my boy, my partner for a long time as well. Mr. I'm sorry, Dr. Gary <laughs> Gordon. Man, I've known Gary for a long time. Just to give you a little background on this guy. I don't want him to start talking about himself just yet. This man is from Arkansas, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, you know yes, I mean? yes. Um, and I met him at Cal State Sigma Bernardino back in the Come day. On. And since then, man, he's been making moves, making moves, man, outshining the rest of us. We all playing catch up to him. He the man. He the man. If we form like Voltron, he would be the head. Check it out. My guy. My guy. What's up, brother? Hey, come on. I appreciate the gassing. Come on. Gas me. Gas me. Let's get it. Hey, man. We got it. I got to give you your flowers. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to you for making it happen. Um, you know, knowing everything, well, knowing what I do know about you personally, yes, just everything that I know you've had to overcome in life, like the fact that you're doing what you're doing is phenomenal, you know, you, so sir. shout out to you for that. Yes, so sir. what's going on with you, brother? Hey, I mean, a lot, <laughs> you know, a lot is going on. Um, thematically, of course, we're, we're working at Cal State China Islands. California State University, Channel Islands. I've um, been there for about eight years. Um, I'm sure we'll dig into that and talk about that a little bit. Um, with my family, right, I have a three-year-old. Um, you know, they call him three-nagers, so that's real. I'm feeling it. It's, he's hot. He's cold. So feeling like a little teenager, even though I've never had a teenager, but definitely leaning into the three-nager stage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my daughter seven months. She'll be eight months on the 19th. Um, so family solid. Me and my wife just celebrated our 10 year anniversary on September wow. 22. Right. So I hear. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. So, you know, family strong, leaning into that day by day, um, you know, leaning into trying to become financially independent, like a lot of black individuals out here um, mm. trying to invest. Right. Trying to get my business up and running. Well, it's up and running, but hoping that takes off but overall holistically in a solid place um good news which is jesus christ first and foremost always and forever um so that's what i lean into that's my guiding light that's my principle that's my my everything my being so you know god family work all solid um in a good place so that's you know that's me (laughs) hey y'all i told you he was phenomenal didn't i i told you (laughs) (laughs) i gave you the heads up the 411 my guy gary check us out brother man shout out to you so you're working at channel islands right cal state yes, sir. Channel islands and you've been there for how about how many years eight years eight years okay and you're currently the director of res education yep director of residential education residential uh, res education. for short what is that yeah, so the director of residential education, uh, in short, I oversee all the residential components of housing. So that's, um, if you're familiar with the college environment, that's RAs, that's conduct, that's programming. Um, some institutions have what they call RHA, Residence Hall Association. Um, some student or some schools call it uh, 
what is that? Uh, it's escaping me. But anywho, a student programming body, student programming board. Um, and then I oversee um, several staff members who supervise the RAs who also deal with conduct, um, assistant coordinators, coordinators. But overall, just making sure that the residential component of housing is running well, making sure that um, students are um, being good, upstanding citizens. That's our goal. And then supporting housing services and operations, which is occupancy. And then we help with like mediations, room changes, um, uh, again, programming. So supporting that like extracurricular and then co-curricular academia type thing. So just making sure all of that, that runs well is what I do in housing. Just for context, we have about, in a normal year, about 1,600 students that live on campus at Channel Island, so not big, so the commuter campus. Um, right now on COVID, we're about 1,200 students. Last year, bro, we had um, about 120 students at our height uh, in COVID. Right? So, yeah, so right? a lot that came in with that, managing that, making sure operations run smooth and um, making sure the students are adhering to the policies and things like that. But, right. you know, that's the short part. It's almost easier to deal with more students because there's more. I remember when I had days when kids would go, I was teaching then and kids would go on field trips and I would have like two kids. And that was like the hardest class to actually teach because there's, there's only two, you know, two to five kids in there and just trying mm -hmm. to cater to their needs and trying to be, you know, um, uh, entertaining as well as edu educating at the same time with just five kids is, is, is a struggle. I'd rather have 40. Man, for real. Yeah, less, less is sometimes more difficult. That's why we had another child, honestly, because the <laughs> pandemic hit. Hey, it worked. The pandemic hit, and Soren, my son, Soren James Gordon, my baby boy, um, he just needed everything from us. Then we were like, yo, we can't. We can't sustain this. Like we gotta have a, we gotta have another baby. Like somebody yeah. gotta entertain you. I can't be your entertainer and your teacher and your everything. So we need help, right? So that's why we, that's why we did that. So less, less can be more challenging, right. and um, you know, more, more gives them like a support system. They can bond. They can connect with each other. They can build, and they're not looking to you for everything, and they're not lost and lonely and things like that. Do you struggle dealing with students being that, um, you know, you were involved in a, in a dynamic fraternity known as Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated and that you had instances where you were, I'm sure, because I know I was, defying <laughs> campus rules? <laughs> not, I mean, not really, right? I, I think that's the beauty of age. That's the beauty of perspective. Mm -hmm. It gives you a complex view of the students in their situation, but it allows you to understand that accountability is necessary. So it doesn't feel like you are being two-faced. It doesn't feel like you're being a hypocrite because you have the gift of knowing this is what you need to be successful. I've been there and I know that I messed up, but it would be to your detriment to allow you to mess up because I messed up. So it is my duty and my honor to hold you accountable and try to help you understand, you know, this is why that we're having this conversation. This is why we are having conduct. I let them know, like, forget about the, forget about like whatever you did, the candle, the alcohol, like that matters. And I got to hold you accountable because we're in it. But the more important thing is 
this is this is small in the scope of your life. So what I need you to do is figure out what do you take from this instance? Why are you here? What is it with your thinking? What is it with your problem solving? What is it with you? Is this how you see yourself as a person? Is this who you believe yourself to be? Someone who breaks the rules, someone who does this, someone who lashes out. And you have to look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and say, I'm happy with me, right? I'm okay with who I am. This is who I want to be. And if you do that and you make the decision, deal with the outcomes, right? Like deal with the consequences. That's why you're here. So, you know, I don't, I don't struggle knowing that like I broke some rules even <laughs> as a housing administrator, right? Like I know that I didn't do some of my community rounds or duty walks when I was an RA. I know I like skipped out on stuff, right? But I hold people fully accountable because I know the importance of it. And it's like, hey, I got to help you out, man. Like somebody got to teach you. And that wasn't always the case when we were coming up or when I was coming up. People just like, ah, boom, you're in trouble. Do this, you're in trouble. This, this, and this. It's like, that's not helpful. So, uh, what, what, what was it like for you growing up, coming up? Man, uh, in life, I had a, a journey, right? I, as you say, you know a, a lot about me, a bit about me. Um, mm-hmm. I come from a home of domestic abuse. Right. A home of like low SES, um, socioeconomic status. Um, But, you know, if you grow up in a certain environment, it's not like, oh, I'm poor or like I don't have this or like we're struggling. It's just, you know, it's family, it's love, it's community, it's your friends running around playing. So I give that piece to say, although we were poor, um, although we grew up in the black projects, as they called them in hot springs, there's the black projects and the white projects where black people live in both. Ask my sister about that later. Um, but although we grew up in the, I was like, why are the black and the white? Black people are in both of them. But apparently at one point the projects were segregated and there were white projects and black projects. So the white people lived in, in that area, although everybody was poor. Um, but, you know, I didn't know I was poor, really, or like that poor until my mom worked at a restaurant called Loopy's and she had a work shirt. It was like a decent shirt. It was like this little striped polo, right? So I'd wear it to school because I didn't have a lot of clothes here and there. And it was just like, you know, hand-me-downs and things like that. That's just that's just what you did. You wear what you had. You try to be as fresh as you could in like whatever, whatever environment you could. And I was in the locker room one day. And I remember this vividly, even though I don't remember a lot of my childhood, because my guess is I suppressed it all just due to the hard times. I touched on like the domestic violence and stuff, and I can talk about that a little bit more if necessary. But, you know, I was in the locker room. One of my memories was someone was like, yo, is that a shirt from Louvies? And they was like, got a shirt on from Louvies. Hey, you got a shirt on from Louvies. And like, they was clowning me. He's like, ah, oh, I seen that. That's a place in the mall. He's wearing a work shirt. And oh. uh, I was deflated. I was defeated. And not only was I embarrassed, but like, that was a critical piece of clothing out of my wardrobe that I didn't have in rotation anymore. Right? Like, I couldn't wear it. Like, I couldn't wear the Louvies shirt anymore. Like, it was out of the question. So... You know, that hurt, right? That It hurt me that I was clowned. It hurt me that, like, this is where I was at in life. It hurt me that I had, like, a key piece of, of wardrobe out of the mix. You know, like, those things. Like, I didn't experience that always, but that was something that I, I struggled with in that moment. Um, and those were, like, a few pieces in my life that I do believe um, I believe everything in my life helped shape me and who I am. It helped build resiliency. It helped give me, um, as I said earlier, just like the gift of perspective, 
perspective is such a such a beautiful gift. It's it's it it's just it's priceless, right? To be able to look at a situation, to understand that you know, although things are hard, I've been through worse things. Although this is challenging, there are many other challenging things. Although this is not what I expected, life is so much grander, so much more beautiful than whatever I'm going through right now, right? Like I got off the school bus and saw ambulance near my house, um, red light sparkling. I ran down like the rocks, like kind of like Laird in the projects where I live. Like I jetted down to my house. My mother was on a stretcher after being stabbed. I forget the time, like 14 to 20 times, right? Like my mother almost lost her life. My father almost killed my mom, right? Like life is harder, right? Like things are worse than whatever, like this student isn't responding to this conduct letter or like my son is having a tantrum. Like the the gift of perspective, right, is, is way better. And the gift of forgiveness, like that summer, my mom allowed us to go to Milwaukee and live with my dad. I spent sixth grade in Milwaukee. I stayed there for a year. He called, like, I want to speak to my boys. I want to see my boys. She let us go up there for a summer after he almost killed her, right? She never held, withheld us from our dad. She always made sure we had a connection. She always stayed cordial with him. She always kept a connection. So it's very, it's, it's very few grudges that I hold. It's like, yeah. like, why? Like, forgiveness and love is like a part of me. Like, it was ingrained in me early, early on, even from the things I've seen and heard and witnessed. Um, so, you know, that's some of my childhood. We came to California when I was 14. My mom and my dad separated. They, you know, she finally cut ties um, and needed to like move. My mom's from California. My dad's from Arkansas. That's how I got from Arkansas to California. Um, and then, you know, just went to A.B. Miller, Fontana stand up, I.E. stand up. Um, then went to Cal State San Bernardino, master's at Fullerton, uh, doctorate at Fullerton. And um you know, eventually made my way out to Channel Islands after working at Pomona for two years. But that's just a little bit of my my childhood and how I grew up and how I got to where I am and some of like my perspective on, on life and the way I view the world. Yeah, you definitely touched on something prominent, like um, in regard to perspective. Is that where you draw all of your positive energy from? Because you are you have always been. I mean. I like myself to be a fairly positive person, you know, but there's some negativity that can spew out of me periodically. (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen you turn up in a negative light. You know what I mean? Like knowing you from college, I forgot we used to work together at Nike, you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, just thinking about all the time we have spent together, like I don't really know of an instance where you were negative, at all. I'm sure that that is, is within you, the whole yin and yang thing. But is that where you, where you're able to maintain that heightened level of positive or positivity? Yeah, I I think perspective is key. That has a, I think that's one of the main forces, right? And real quick, P put me on at Nike, everybody, Principal P, the MC, (laughs) gave me a job, put me on, he put on a lot of young brothers. So, uh, you, you know, tokes. always looked out. Exactly. <laughs> Reggie. <laughs> always looked out, man. Let's go. Yeah. My boy Ramon. Yep. Uh, Ike. Who else yep. is up in there? Um, um, man. Well, Brandon Black, Powell. <laughs> who, I'm forgetting his name. He was like a clown. Black dude, curly hair, dark skin. Uh, super silly. Uh, I don't even remember. 
What's his name? Melvin? Melvin. Shout out to Melvin <laughs> Brown, man. Hey, I got people's jobs, man. I was putting people on. So, you know, always thankful for that. And, no doubt, um, no you know, you know, I still got my pair of red and black comp 13s mm-hmm, in the closet. Mm-hmm. Floating around. <laughs> so, hey, yo, it was hard getting those. They were hidden. People were hiding them in the back. They were I was high. them, too. Yeah. Mine was like a yeah. size too big. But... You know, um, hey, I remember people used to take out like the size 15 random shoe and mm-hmm. put the whole box of the of the Jordan 13s inside of that. Man, it was crazy, man. So you have a size 12 box inside a size 15 box. 15, it was brilliant. crazy, man. Hidden. Brilliant. Oh, that was my tech. Uh, but hey, it's smart. Um, <laughs> yeah, I tried to sneak in the mall when. Um, after the mall closed to get the defining the defining odds package because um, mm-hmm. I still worked at Nike for that, but you know I found out the line was forming outside, so I, I did I did stay in the mall after closing, mm-hmm. and I was trying to like sneak. I don't even know what I did and how I did it, but uh, I stayed in the mall after closing, laid low, and um, <laughs> didn't even get the package. But I'm glad I didn't because like people were getting robbed in the parking lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. for that package. Yeah, because that was like the first package. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the very first. I was like 05, 06, right? Yeah. yeah no, not, oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, yeah. yeah, around there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would have been right. Yeah. Um, but anywho, yeah, I think perspective is key. Like, that is, that just really allows me to stay positive. And again, I, I just know that life has been harder, right? I know life can be worse. So it allows me to really just, it allows me just to put things in the place that they, deserve. It allows me to look at things correctly. I was telling this um, young brother that I work with, Patrick, um, who like I like somewhat mentor, drop gems, help him out. And I was like, you know what, Patrick, like every once in a while I get overwhelmed at work or like things are stressing me out. And I just have to like do like a little self-talk to myself and be like, just clown myself a little bit and like mock myself like, oh, poor Gary, poor Dr. Gordon got a good job making good money and got to deal with these problems and have this family that loves him all like so hard. Like, oh, I got this good car and like, oh, what am I going to do? Like, I'm, I'm struggling with all this stuff. And then I'm like, okay, bro, like chill. Like life's good. Like you're in a good place, right? Like chill out. Like it's not like you're, you are solid. Like your life is good. You'll get through this challenge. So, like, I know that things will improve. And then not only perspective, but as I said, just right. Jesus Christ, that's my that's my anchor. That's my my grounding, my footing. And I know literally like for me. Right. I know Christ ain't for everybody, but like, you know, I can do all things through Christ. And it's not like a it's not a mantra. Right. It's like I believe it. I feel it. I know like where I draw my strength from. I know. um <clears throat> Right. Like that's how I proceed. That's just like for me. And like, that's my anchor. And so if things get rocky or hard, I know that I have something deeper and something greater that holds me. And, you know, honestly, just becoming a Sigma helped me out as a lot, a lot as well. It helped me just tap into parts of me uh, of knowing that I'm someone who will persist. I never saw myself as like that strong and persistence, but that was something that like, made me realize that like, oh, once I start something, I finish it. And I think with the perspective, like it helps me to just like keep pushing through in life. So yeah, perspective, Christ and persistence is um, what keeps me, keeps me going, keeps me positive, um, keeps me happy. And yeah. Oh, man. 
Facts, facts, yeah. So, what else or where else do you draw your inspiration and your influence from? Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah. What makes you I, you? I mean, I think about that sometimes and I feel, I was about to say, like, I'm not super deep, right? But I feel like I'm fairly deep, right? And I say I'm not super deep in the sense of, <laughs> and I'll, I'll get to it, right? But I I felt like I, growing up, I think just throughout my journey, I've doubted my, I've gauged my level of depth and knowledge on other individuals. Like, I didn't consider myself well-read. I didn't consider myself knowing like enough about black history. I didn't consider myself knowing enough about like math, English, any history, right? I just felt like I'm just like, going through life, taking it easy, like doing whatever comes up, taking opportunities, like la, 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 just kind of like doing my thing and just like, but not not really being stellar at too much of anything. I didn't see myself as like a, a great leader, didn't see myself as a role model. So I, those things made me feel like I'm not that deep and I'm not like, I'm not that guy, right? I think there's a level of like insecurity along the way. But then I say I'm pretty deep because, and to answer the question, like what what else I pull from is just me, honestly. And it's hard to like, yeah. <laughs> be like, oh, that's not humble. And I was like, yo, I'm not, I'm not humble, number one, to be clear. But <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Currently, you're you are wearing a shirt that has your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but you know what? I, 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 I strategically asked that question because I knew you were going to have a difficult time with it. Like, I, I really want you to dig deep. Like, what right. makes Gary Gary? You know right. What I mean? Yeah, and that's what it like to say it's me is in the sense of, and this is kind of what I was alluding to with the conduct conversations or talking with students. It's like I'm able to look myself in the mirror and be overall happy with me i'm over i'm able to question my decisions i'm able to question how i move why i move what i believe in what i stand for where i want to be if i'm doing the things that align with the person to whom i believe myself to be and that's like that's what i grapple with and that's what i have grappled with over the years is just scrutinizing myself and the person that I want to be. And quite literally, right, if I get upset at something, I ask myself, like, why was I upset? What was it? What made me mad? What really triggered me? Is that who I am? And like trying to get at like what the root of it is, right? Even if it's a work thing, like, why am I, why am I mad about this? Oh, do I feel disrespected? Why do I feel disrespected? Do I not feel mm. like I have control of my organization? Do I feel like I'm losing power? Do I feel mm. like I'm being undermined? Do I feel like I ha have the inability to affect change? So then like I dig into those things and figure out like, okay, adjust if need be, or put myself in the right mindset and let myself know that, okay, maybe I was just overreacting in that. So I really pull from me and who I believe myself to be and ultimately, who I believe myself to be is aligned with who I am in Christ. So is that aligning with that? And if I'm not operating in that frame, then I need to shift. I need to change. I need to operate correctly. Right. So 
I get a lot from like books and um, I listen to a lot of audio books. I read much more than I do. And, but all those things, I'm, all those things are under subjection to, to me and who I am. And like, if I don't agree, I toss it out. I take what I can, pull what I need. Right. Um, but that all that came later, right? Like leading up to it, I was just super basic, right? I just lived life. And, and I think I had those resiliency things just like under the surface, but I didn't know what they were until I started to dig in. It sounds like you suffered from imposter syndrome. Oh, many times in life. Many times. And you know what? I still deal with that, even at 39. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I walk into certain spaces and I feel as if I'm not supposed to be there, you know? And I think that I get that feeling from others and then I allow myself to internalize that. So that's something that I'm still working on. I'm sure you've come across students that suffer from that as well. How do you get them to overcome that? Do you tell them to just look into themselves or do you, or what, what strategies would you advise someone who's dealing with students who suffer from imposter syndrome, Feel, which is feeling like you don't belong within a certain space, feeling like you, right. like, how did you get here? Um, mm-hmm. what, what advice do you have for someone that's in, interacting with students like that? And have you dealt with any students like that? Yeah. I mean, it's, how'd you get here and not feeling qualified to be there, right? Facts. I mean, yeah. sometimes you know how you got there. Somebody, like you did the work, right? even if you did the work and you grind it, like you, you know how you got there sometimes, but you're like, I don't know. I don't belong here. Or you look around and there's nobody who looks like you. Right. And you, you feel not worthy. You don't feel, you don't, you don't feel qualified. And I experienced that a lot in my doctoral program early on. Um, But one of the ways I help students with it is like you, there's a piece of what I'm saying of telling people to like look into themselves but sometimes with students and depending on where they are, like in this, and I have dealt with students like this, you got to just hit them. You got to hit them like dead on. Right. You got to let them know, Hey, you belong here, right? You belong in this space. You're worthy to be here. Just like anybody else. You did the work to be here. Like you're smart, you're brilliant. And like, tell me a little about, uh, and then you can, even if you want to dig in more, like, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, where'd you come from? Like, what'd you do? Like, what does school look like? Like, oh, I did this, I overcame here. Like, okay, boom, that's resiliency that I see in you. That's perseverance that I see in you. Like, you're here, you're smart enough. So if you're in this space and you ever feel like I don't belong and maybe I shouldn't be here, throw that away. I tell them, like, throw that away right now because you do belong here because if you didn't belong here, you wouldn't be here right now, right? So it's just letting, letting them see, like, Mm. Don't let anybody take anything away from you. Um, and then you can get into some of those pieces of like, you know, just hey, tonight, spend some time reflecting on where you've come from and what you've done and who else has done it and looking around at people who have overcome and who have accomplished the things that you're trying to accomplish. But I think that's like the key piece. Right. And when I deal with students, when I um, when I talk and if I give that advice, it's just people just have to see that they belong in a space and people have to understand that you not only have the right to show up as you are, you have the responsibility to show up as you are, right? Like I need to show up in a space as Gary, right? I'm Dr. Gary Gordon, the administrator, but I still need to show up. Like I still need to be a little rambunctious here and there. I still need to yell across Mm. the quad to students. Like Mm. I still need to like, 
I need to be, I still need to wear a full suit and Crocs to work. Like I need to show up (laughs) as who I am. Right. And I think people need to understand that because they think they get here and now I got to change. Now I got to be somebody else. Now I got to like fit this mode, but like you owe it to yourself, right. To be who you are and not who someone else is forming you into be and to becoming. That's different from mentorship. You owe it to yourself to do that. And it's helpful for those around you. Like students need to see me as who I am. They need to see my academic side, but they need to see my down to earth side. Not like, oh, hello, young man. You need to make sure that you go see your advisor or you're not going to make it. Like, okay. Like those are the words, but like (laughs) not the delivery, right? So uh, that's what I tell people. Like you got to show up. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to others. You owe it to your peers. Right. We got to <laughs> you said a lot there. Uh, is, is, um, is your space where you're currently employed is are you encouraged to be your authentic self or did you just come in there and said, I'm I'm doing Gary and they just gonna have to deal with it? that part? I came in being who I am and I got the advice from a white administrator when I was in my master's program, because that was something I was grappling with of like, what does it look like to be a professional? And she said, you know what? She's like, Gary, you gotta, this was the phrase. Like, she's like, you gotta be more Gary, be more of yourself. Cause I was like, how do I like move? Like, how do I act? Like, how do I make sure that people take me seriously while like, you know, trying to like really just be who I am. Like what's the balance in that? And she said, she said, be more Gary. Like, and I took it to heart and I, I did it right. Like I, I, I've been more myself and I, I showed up in my spaces. I'll, I'll walk into a room. I'll be social. If I'm feeling social, I'll wear what I want to wear. I'll, I'll challenge people. I'll ask questions. I'll, you know, so I took that. And I think that's also a piece, right? If somebody gives you advice and if you think it's worthwhile and if you're struggling with something, test it out, try it and, and see how it lands. And, um, so yeah, everywhere I go, I try to I try my best to show up as I am and and not be too scared of being being Gary, right? Because I again, like I, I mean it, I owe it to people, right? Like I know I got things to offer, and I know my personality is helpful, like arguably, um, <laughs> like some people disagree, but you know we need yeah. diversity and we need we need people to show up as themselves, like higher education. P through 12, it shouldn't feel like a monolith. Everybody shouldn't be looking and moving and acting the same. It's discouraging. And I don't want to, like, if we're trying to help people, like, acting like everybody else hurts people. And it makes them feel like it, it increases that imposter syndrome. Like, they ain't even the Black people. Like, I don't even, like, I don't have a connection to anybody here. Mm. I'm out. Mm. Are you one of few? Yes. That look like you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to this um, black woman at work and she was saying that we hadn't like really connected, but she was like, oh, like you, Dr. Osiris, um, Patrick. She was like, I call y'all the unicorns because there's so few, there's so few of us at the school. When I first got to Channel Islands, I was the only black staff member and our vice president was black, but there was only two black men in the division of student affairs, which is hundreds of employees, right? And very few black people. So yeah, I'm... I'm one of few that look like me. 
So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. <laughs> Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to get laced with Get Lace Shoelaces. Yes, sir. Yeah, Get Lace is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit GetLacedLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLaced.com. Underscore. Upgrade your sneakers with a black-owned business that provides international shipping, wholesale, custom, and fundraising options. Upgrade them sneakers, baby. Use a genius, man. Get yours today at GetLaceLaces.com. Premium sneakers need premium laces. Yeah, man, I, I know that feeling. You walk into a space, whether it's a conference or something, and you see another another brother, and you kind of look across the room like, hey, like, look, look, like, when this yeah. is over, I'm gonna get your number. Like, like that whole thing. Like, you good? I'm good. You good? Like that whole thing. So, yeah, because I I deal with that in my day to day, man. I man, so so few brothers. I remember when I was working at Grand Terrace, it was just myself and one of the security guards. That's it. Wow. Yeah, like no no other black males, man. And we and he, he and I kind of got a bond out of that, and it was it was a struggle, man. You know, just being able to be who I wanted to be or who I am, you know, comfortably. Mm -hmm. And I managed to kind of just kick the door in and say, I'm going to just do me. And that's just what it's going to be. I'd be lying if I said that in the places where I've worked and where, and also where I currently work, I'd I'd be lying to say, I'd be lying if I said that it's been, you know, encouraged, not Mm -hmm. necessarily discouraged, but not encouraged. You know what I mean? Just like a, well, you know, it is what it is, you know. And then when you when you start being you, it's like, hold on a second, hold on, and <laughs> take it down a notch. Like, yeah, just a little bit, man, just a little bit, <laughs> you know. So that's yeah. something that. But it's I scary, though, right? Well. Like, it is like because you, everybody else gets to be who they are, but yep. why do I have to turn off elements of myself? And I say this to students when I'm when I'm interacting with them from a disciplinary standpoint, because. Kid, kids that come to me, and I'm sure, you know, young adults come to you. How did you get here? You know, do you have any any advice for me or whatever? And I always let them know that there's going to be elements of yourself you're going to have to turn off. You're going to have mm-hmm. to leave some things behind. And that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. You have to decide what elements of yourself you're willing to give up in yeah. order to move up. Some people they are putting their foot down on certain things and they're just not willing to relinquish that. And that is okay. But just know that with every decision comes a consequence. Precisely. You know right. What I mean? So, right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that I didn't expect it to happen in your profession. Cause you know, the higher up you go, the fewer there are, but for a bunch of different reasons, systemic reasons, but, uh, right. <laughs> man, it's, um, it's a little, uh, it's kind of sad, actually. Low yeah, key. it's very sad, man. Sad, low key. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. But again, that's why, that's why I say you like you owe it to yourself and you owe it to them. Like I literally tell people, like I, I was having this hard conversation around like race and um, like discrimination. What I felt like was a systemic, like a systemic racial issue going on in a, an organizational change for several administrators above me, and I told them. 
this is a little different, but I was like, I, I owe it to me to let you know this. And I owe it to you to tell you like, this is what I see and where I'm coming from. Like, I can't just let this happen without at least talking to you about it. Again, it's, it's important to me because it like, it matters, but like, you need to know too. Like I, I respect you enough to tell you the truth and to let you know, like, this is what I see. So I think for individuals trying to become themselves or like lean into themselves, you have to understand as well, like it's respecting other individuals too, by showing up as yourself. Like I owe, like I care about you enough to let you know, this is an aspect of people, an aspect of me. This is an aspect of reality. I care about you enough to not let you think that this world is the world that exists, or this is how people have to act and have to move, or this might not, this is who our students are. Like, Mm. that's why you got to show up as yourself. Like, that's why you got to be in spaces. And, but that's also why you do the stuff that we do, right? Like, that's why you become the administrator. That's why you get the credentials. That's why you move up. Cause you can say like, I'm Dr. Gary Gordon, but I'm still here. Um, I can talk about assessment, et cetera, um, student needs. And I can also say like, yeah, I think it's really dope that like what we're doing right now is like propelling students to a greater depth. Like I can say like things like that. you like, did they say, did he say dope? Did he say like, this is super dope? <laughs> like you can talk about that. Like this is just my natural conversation, right? I'll say right. it in a meeting with whomever. And that's right. like, people need to, to see that. Hey, baby boy. Um, hey. <laughs> um, Unscripted and, then, I mean, and unrehearsed. Right. He was upstairs. We're at the Airbnb in Arrowhead, everybody. It's three levels down, but my son made his way down. Um, he found his way. Right. And then, P, I know you, you might talk about this later. It might be worth a, another conversation in the future. But even when you're saying you talk to students and like give advice and like share that, when I was thinking about even the pod, I was like, you know, the power, like you're, it's the assistant principal's office. And I was thinking like, the power of the office, right? Like, what are the conversations that happen in the office? Like, how do we shape students in the office, right? We can do like, I can do the big motivational speeches and like talk to people and like, you belong here, right? But in the office, right? Like when it's just me and you, like getting down to the gritty, like having those real conversations, like talking to them, like digging in, right? I, I think administrators and everybody understanding like the power and the impact of the office and just, being with someone one-on-one, looking them in their eye and like being able to like just have that conversation and chat with them. It's like, you know, that's been rewarding for me. That's when I've seen like people like break down or cry or like, yeah. or get it or click or things like that. So, you know, like it's the power powerful. of the office, man. Especially when it's someone who understands or there's a light culture, there's a light culture and you can, and you can keep it real. Like I can keep it 100. You know, I'll be I'll be outside my office speaking a certain way. And then I close the door and I'm like, hey, look, bro, check this out, man. Peep game. And then yep. they already know, okay. And now they're like really, really tuned in, especially when it's a situation where the student may be in trouble or they may need some encouragement or some motivation or whatever. And the parent is there as well. Because the parent, mm-hmm. you know, they know that their kid is in Mr. Parker's office. They don't know me. So they come in thinking, whatever. And then they come in and then I close the door and I'm like, hey, okay, check this out. And then the parent even kind of leans in like, okay. (laughs) So now, now, you know, I'm, I'm, we're all speaking a common language. And I think that there's power in that. And that's why there's a huge benefit to having people who look like the people that they're serving uh, (laughs) reflected in those that are, you know, serving, you know what I mean? So, and I think that, 
That's what we have to get more of. And it's not as yeah. and and I know people may disagree and I, I know we do need black people, but we need people to understand the culture, you know? Yeah. And there's some people who are, you know, not of a melanated skin tone that understand the culture. And they get it, you know, and I think that that's we need that as well. We need we need everything, man. We need it all. Yeah. You know, yep. <laughs> we need, yep. it, all. We need it all. And that's why we got to keep leaning into these young individuals. Right. And telling them, like, don't give up. Right. Because mm-hmm. like you're able to like lean in and have the conversation like, look, bro, or like, hey, listen, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. But if you know, if you gave up, right, like if, if young P quit back in wherever, you wouldn't be here in that moment being able to have that conversation. So that's why we got to let them know, like, yo, and you got to keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I tell people. Um, especially other administrators that I've that I've dealt with, when I try to explain the dynamic of black people and when they're having their child be inside of the discipline office. Because I've been in all seats. I've been suspended. I've suspended kids. And my son has been suspended. You know, so I've been in every chair. And I think that we, our only experience of high school was our own. If yeah. our own experience was trash, we walk in thinking a certain way about that about that situation. Yep. So, and then if you haven't met this administrator, this teacher, or this school personnel, whatever, you're going off of what you have experienced, and that yep. stuff comes in, and that's why some some people come in and they're on a hundred, like they just yeah. come in like, no, I I ain't trying to hear it, I don't, yeah. I, I don't care, you know. <laughs> They turn You're like, yo, yeah, it's like, whoa, like, chill, chill, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then that's when I close the door and I say, look, I feel you. Baby. I'm a, we're going to solve this. We're going to figure this out. I'm going right. to give you some game, you know, and that's that's really what I wanted to do with this podcast. in the first place was really just give people game like conversations yeah. like this. Powerful ones breaking, breaking things down, you know, like mm-hmm. giving kids and families and parents or whatever stakeholders an opportunity yep. to learn what people don't know because there's a lot that people are ignorant to and it's no fault of their own it's just they only know their own personal experience right so and a lot of things are just misunderstood it's the parents guide to school discipline you have children my principal be the mc Parents, do you have students in public school in California? Have you ever been confused with California Ed Code as it relates to disciplinary issues? Do you know what information the school must share with you when your student is suspended? Well, get the info you need with the Parents Guide to School Discipline, where we unpack the discipline process and provide you with valuable information on how to navigate school suspensions. Pick up your guide today at PrincipalPTheMC.com. That's PrincipalPTheMC.com. So... You are a doctor. What did you write your doctoral or what was your focus? Yeah. Um, focus was basically what I talked about, right? Um, the, <laughs> hey, baby. Um, <laughs> my, my sweet boy. Hey. Uh, what's up? You say hello. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the, the short title is Perspective. And what it's about is um, persistence among African-American males in the post-secondary institutions. So um, what I did or my goal was to see what are some common factors 
that leads to persistence among African-American males. And I looked at um, I looked at a few individuals or interviewed a few individuals from community college, interviewed um, a few individuals from um, four year college, interviewed uh, individuals with doctorates, masters and people who have been out of college for at least five years. So that ranged from, um, you know, 19, 20 year olds to um, 60 year olds. And I want to look at all their experiences um, from different institutions. Like I said, four year community college, public, private, HBCU. Um, so all these different institutions, all these different um, socioeconomic statuses, all these different like viewpoints and life experiences. What were some of the common factors that led to persistence among these African-American males? Right. And trying to figure out how do we help those individuals? And one of the biggest things um, well, you just asked me what my focus was, but one of the biggest things was perspective, right? And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that like help people succeed from year to year to year to year, um, where they came from, where they're trying to go, uh, people in their neighborhood who had a different experience and like where they are, experiences with their like family, um, mm-hmm. fraternities, etc. So. You know, it was all about perspective uh, for African-American males. And it was a it was a good experience. It was rewarding. And I didn't, of course, didn't title it before. Before, I think I had like some different title, but uh, a common thing was perspective. And like that's help, that's what helps people proceed. If they can like have the right frame and mindset, um, then they'll go far. And a really big piece, and like getting into it just real quick, and I think it's important for higher education, um, and P through 12 is people talk about mentors and like said they have mentors and mentors that look like them and like staff members that look like them and people they can connect with. Mm-hmm. But a piece, a piece people were often missing, especially in the undergrad was being able to connect with their faculty member and being able to feel like they matter, not just feeling like a face in the crowd. A little something as simple as like, noticing like you if you sit in one seat all the time and you move to a different seat like oh hey Gary you're sitting in a different seat like oh shoot like he sees me right or like or writing a note on their paper like hey like I know you're better than this like come see me in my office hours versus doing something big of saying like hey these are my office hours if you need help I'm here for you I care about you and you might generally mean it but one note on that young man's paper that says like, hey, come see me in my office hours. Like, I really want to talk this through. will shift and make them go. Cause they don't think you care. They just think it's general, it's broad. So like feeling like you matter. And um, even my students talked about this, not feeling like one in a thousand at an institution, just a face in the crowd. So if, if the faculty in general, I mean, it helps if other people are doing it, but like if in the classroom, if the student knows you care about them, they're way more likely to like um, persist and like keep coming back and try because they don't feel like imposters. They feel like they belong because somebody saw them, right? Like, I can eat. Like, if I go to a church, a new church, as I have before, nobody greets me. I don't feel like I belong. Like, I just like, oh, like I'm just here. But somebody, like, oh, how you doing? Back. Yeah, good to see you. Connect with me after. Like, oh right. man, I matter here. Simple stuff, easy, easy. Yeah. See people, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, perspective yeah. and African American males. That was my focus. Dang. Yeah, man, that, that so 
because as you said that I'm ref, I'm reflecting on you know what the times when I walk up to kids like did you change your hair color and like oh yeah and it's just things that I just naturally do I, yep. I didn't, and you don't realize its impact yep make their day they'll keep coming back yeah yeah I told somebody that, I like their shirt they kept, I see them wear it all the time mm-hmm. and then they they they're wearing it and they're like hey look look yeah like trying to yeah. Yeah, but even yeah. more, I was like, hey, I've never seen that shirt before. Like, is that new? But ah, uh, it, w- it was an older person, actually, not even like a student. It was like, ah, oh, like, thanks for noticing. Like, it was in my closet. I wasn't sure if I should keep it anymore. And like, like you see that, like that, like, mm. wow. Like, I've seen her wear it way more times now. That's right. right? <laughs> <laughs> it's and, in know, the rotation. Right? It's in the rotation. <laughs> and what they say is like, what's good for historically underrepresented groups is good for everybody. Right. It's good for the white kids, too. It's good for the people who are achieving high. But it's it's critical for the people that don't feel like they belong. This will help them. Everybody else might like succeed, but like it'll give everybody a little boost. Right. It's good for everybody. Right. Like so like do it for them. But like it's helpful. Right. It's not like. Yeah. Like so what? Okay. Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Top quality, unique, signature, fresh, trendy. Our shades provide significant UV light protection for eyes, and we have the best customer service around. The freshest and trendiest styles for both men and women. The finest shades to fit your style. Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Visit www.okiefashades.com. That's O-K-I-Y-E-F-A Shades.com. Or on IG or Facebook at Okiefa Shades. Or on Twitter at DJ Ebrock. What are some things that can happen or that schools can do, public schools, K through 12, to be um, intentional in solving the issues that underrepresented groups face at the collegiate level? Right. Right. And those were some of my solutions. And it's right. What I'm what I'm talking about, like the smallest things. Right. Uh Is to care. Like you got to care. And. People think you need like the grand plans and you do and like people come up with like programs like targeting students and like setting money aside and like those things matter and you need those. But you have to care. You have to show students they matter. You have to like see them. Right. Because if you don't care and you don't see them, they don't show up to the programs. They don't come to your meetings. They don't come to this fancy center that you made. They don't feel like they belong. So why would they come? Right. So you. The, right. the the easiest thing that public schools can do is just show students that you care about them. Show them that they matter. Don't give up, right? Like if somebody fails and you say, come see me in my office and they don't show up, write it again on the next test and write it on the third test or get at them. Like, hey, Gary, like, let me chat with you real quick. And like, hey, what's going on? Like, you know, like this is this mm. like this is concerning, right? Like, what do you need? What do you need to be successful? You have some time right now. My office hours are right now. Like, come on, walk with me. Walk with me over here. Or like, hey, you going to third period? Let me like walk with you and talk with you. This is my free period. Mm. Right. Let me let me walk with you and chat with you real quick. And like, just get at them a little bit. Right. Just I think that's the simplest thing is showing that you care. And then. Right. I think then you start developing like interventions to target those students to figure out like how do we make sure these students are successful? 
And I would encourage, right, starting even at a low level in the classroom, just start piloting some things, right? Something that you think might be helpful in your classroom that might help um, Black students succeed. Like, just try, like, small things, right? Try what I'm talking about, like, right on their things. And then you can say, like, oh, I've seen this really boost attendance. This has boosted test scores. And then get at the administrators who have the power and have them implement it, right? Mandate it. Say all teachers need to make sure that they are writing personal notes on students' papers if they achieve less than a 60% on any test. This is a requirement. This is our policy now, right? Mm. And then you have buy-in, right, from the administrator. And letting like, and you can say, like, this has already been successful, right? But, like, start small and then institutionalize some things or get, like, a few people to do it. And then you take that to the district level, right? Like, hey, this has been successful at our school, right? Like, how do we make sure that we're doing this at other schools? Yeah, and like, yeah. then you push it out. People try to start like super big and like tackle the world, like start small and then just keep building, right? And then that's how you get buy-in. Yeah, you get more buy-in when you work from, and I hate this phrase, but from the bottom up as opposed to like top down. Definitely, especially right. in, in education, man. The teachers are... They'll come after you if you try to tell them what to do and you haven't talked to the teachers about what they're going to have right. to do. Right. Yeah. Academic freedom, man. People value it. Yeah. And you're not trying to step on people's toes. You're like, hey, I care. Like, I, And teachers want to be seen. Everybody wants to be seen. Right. Yeah. Everybody wants their freedom. They want their ability to lead and teach. And you have to, like, as an administrator, as a leader, like it's your duty, your responsibility to hear what the concerns are, but also mm-hmm. advocate for students. And it's your job, our jobs, right, to figure out what's that intermediary. Like, I'm not trying to take anything away from you. I'm just letting you know, like, what works or like, this is important. This is how we advocate for people. Teach whatever you want to teach, right? But like, these are things that have been successful. And you can tell them, right? Use my phrase. And I didn't come up with it. But like, what's good for one? It's good for everybody. Hey, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours now. Help them all. Yeah. I'll put it on the shirt. That's right. Hey, man. (laughs) um, So that was good advice for for schools. Do you have what advice do you have for like parents and families about higher education? What are some What are some tips that you can provide someone who's sending a kid to college or trying to get enrolled or they have ha- or they're having ha- housing issues. Just give us a few, you know, uh, things from the inside that yeah. can help some, some of these families. Yeah. I, there's a lot. I think there's, there's so much like there's diverse advice, but I'm one thing that I think is really important. And it was important for me as a young person that I didn't have immediately is you have to let your students become adults, especially when they come to college. There's a lot of parents, especially even now, who they they want to do everything. They want to get on the phone with the administrator. They want to say, like, this is going on. Like, my student is having this roommate issue or, like, this needs to happen or, like, they didn't get this information. But you have to empower your students to become adults, to, to understand the system, to learn how to advocate for themselves. And it's not just so they can become grown, but it, it helps them it helps them understand college. It helps them have buy-in. It helps them feel intrinsically motivated when they did something and found the positive result from it, like when it approved their experience. It helps them connect to the university more. It helps them meet administrators and like build those connections and bonds, help them be staff members and build those connections and bonds. So like mm-hmm. you have to let students 
navigate college. That's not letting them fail, to be clear and explicit, right? Like, help them out if they need to. Call if you need to, but, like, make sure they call first. Follow up with them. See, like, what the result of the conversation was. See how it went. See what they said. And, like, guide them, right? But, like, don't do everything for them, right? And I think that that is a key success factor. That encourage them to get involved, right? Like, of course, make friends, get outside of their room. Like, that's helpful. And I found that too. Like, once people feel connected to the institution or to a person, same with Sigma, right? Like, I felt connected. I had a group. I had people pushing me, people to bounce ideas off of. Like, once you feel connected, you're more likely to persist. And I use this in orientation all the time is um, usually, like, if you're having a good time, if you go to a party that's popping or fun or busting, busting, right? Just learned that from you. Bussin, you, go to, <laughs> you go to a place, right? And you're not like, oh, man, I'm having such a good time. Let's hurry up and get out of here. You want to stay, right? Like you, you want to stay until the very end, until DJ D'Amico plays his time to go, right? Like, and you still yeah. don't want to go. You linger. You want to go to commencement, right? So if you get involved, if you feel connected, if you have fun, of course you want to come back the next year. Of course you want to do well in your classes because this is your – this is you, like you're you're a part of the school. You're not just existing, right? So encourage them to get involved. Encourage them to join a club. Students, if you're listening, get involved. Join a club. Get outside your comfort zone, even if you just sit in the back. But like, meet some people. Become a leader. Like, get connected to the school. And this is what I tell employees, and I'll tell the students as well. I don't think this is going to be in trouble if somebody hears it, but. Use the schools for what they have, right? I tell employees, like, use these jobs for what they have. Go to the conference, like, get professional development. Students, get involved, like, connect with faculty, use the library, go on all these trips, like, go international, right? Like, use these schools for what they have, right? Build yourself up so you'll learn, you'll grow, you'll feel connected, you'll feel involved, you will be involved. And then like all the super dope dynamic things happen intrinsically. You're like, oh, I know how to talk to these people a little bit better. Oh, I know how to navigate this environment a little bit better. Oh, my peers are struggling. Like, uh, oh, hey, Marlene, like Marlene come to me like, oh, like, man, did bad on this test. Like, oh, have you been to the Learning Resource Center? Like Sylvia's like, great. Like she really helped me out. She's super dope. Like she can like really break it down. Then you help your peers succeed. And like you, you just become connected to the institution. So like we overcomplicate a lot of stuff, but like encourage them to have a problem solve, get involved, get connected. Um, administrators, like people want to help you, right? And if they don't want to help, there's somebody that want to help you, help you out. So, you know, I think those are the, the two key things. Advocate for yourself. I had a student who, um, I've seen a lot of students who get opportunities just because they advocated for themselves. There's a student I wouldn't let be an RA because they had a 2.48 GPA and you're supposed to have like a 2.5, right? I know, savage. But <laughs> but she stuck with it, right? Like she kept advocating for herself. She's like, no, I did this and like this and this. And like then her dad was on the back end and this is a direct example. Like he got, he got at me eventually like, Look, I've been led in Brooklyn. Maybe I shouldn't use his names, but <laughs> whatever. Like, I've been letting it. I'm proud of her. I've been letting Brooklyn do this herself. I've been like trying to like have her connect with you. I've been having her say these things, but like now I'm going to step in because this is my perspective. 
and your language and your paperwork didn't say like she had to have this, this, and this. It wasn't explicit in this. And I was like, ah, that's right, right? Like that is true. And like the, the, the student became an RA. And but she advocated for herself. And a lot of people don't advocate for themselves. They don't appeal. They don't follow up. They don't show up to meetings. Um, they don't try to do anything. And they could have a very real situation right? like they might have felt a test in there. Students of color parents might have died. Right. And they fail a test mm-hmm. like and they're down and out and they don't say anything. But if you would have just said, like, I had this hardship. Like my mom, my dad, my uncle, my cousin, this happened, or like somebody lost their job. This is where I'm at. This is not who I am. People are happy to help you out, but you got to advocate for yourself. But we're taught, especially black people, people of color, like you just keep your head down and do the work. But there's a strong level of advocacy that will take you very far. If you just speak up, like you'll go far. People will help you. That's what the school is there for. So, you know, those are some of my higher education things. And I'm passionate about it because I care, right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm always talking. I'm like, yo, G, take it down tonight. So you got to chill, right? Nah, you good. I see you. I see you, man. Man, I appreciate <laughs> you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Man, where can people connect with you online? Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram. My business page is with Gary Love. That's W-I-T-H-G-A-R-Y-L-O-V-E. Don't post like I should. Um, my personal page is, I think it's public. It's Gary Love, still Gary Love, O, seven O's in there. Um, seven, completion, Christ, et cetera. Um, but with Gary Love is fine. On Twitter, I'm with Gary Love as well. And then my business page is, um, if you want a custom poem, um, I write those from scratch. That's withgarylove.com. So everything is with Gary Love. Love is my heart. Love is what I stand for. Love is what I believe in. That's another thing that propelled me forward. It's just a true understanding of love and what it means to love, what it means to be love, what it means to give love, spread love. Um, so Gary Love, and that's where you can find me online. Spread, spread love, man. Spread One love, love man. brother. I love you, my brother. I do, <laughs> hey, I, love I do, you too. man. I do, bro, for real, man. We go back. Shout yes, out, sir. Shout out to you, definitely, man. So, man, you killed this. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me all here. Um, you know, anytime we want to talk about higher ed or just black men, black people, um, you know, there's there's just so much for us to there's so much for us to to be, to know, to become. Like I, I wholeheartedly believe any and everything that I said. There's so much potential. Hey, students, people, listen, listen to me clearly, wholeheartedly. There's so much potential in you. I don't care if anybody ever told you you don't matter. Anybody ever told you you're unworthy. Anybody ever questioned you if you ever felt like you don't belong in this space. You matter. You're worthy. The universe lies within you. Like destiny lies within you. Answers lie within you. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to the world to lean in and to really find who you are and what you can bring. Like there's so much. Every person has a purpose and there's so much in you. Like it's such a disservice to allow things to lay dormant. It's so disrespectful to yourself and those around you to not rise to your potential and to like bring and push things forward. So, you know, I mean it wholeheartedly. Thank you, P. Sorry, I just, you know, had to get it out, right? Like there's not so much good. in you, man. <laughs> hey, y'all, I told you he was phenomenal. I gave you the warning. I hope you still tuned in. If not, shame on you. Shout out to you, my brother, man, Dr. Gary C. Gordon. Holla at your boy, yes, Channel sir. Islands. Do your thing. 
Yes, and I'm about sir. to wrap this on up. Man, shout out to the sponsors, as always, which is uh, GetLaceLaces.com. Make sure you check that out. Oh, man. Also, I have a course on school discipline, a parent's guide to school discipline. Make sure you hit the link in my bio on Instagram or go to www.principalpthemc.com and check it out. It's a perfect way for you to navigate the public school system and some of the unwritten rules of discipline. It's all there. It's game. It's $29.99 and it's a digital product. You pay for it. It pops right in there and we can go from there. And you can always message me and ask me questions and I'll keep it funky fresh and 100 with you. Cause I, like I said, I've been in all seats. I've been suspended. I've suspended kids and my son has been there. So I know all about it. And of course I got to wrap this up with a quote from the late great Dr. Rashidi. And it says, history is a light that illuminates the past and the key that unlocks the door to the future. Amen. So study who you are and don't do don't do yourself a disservice by not being the great person that you are supposed to be because it is in you. Stop playing. Stop denying the greatness that exists within you because it was placed in there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And on that note, man, I salute you, my brother. Thank you very right. much. And um, we'll talk again later. Yes, sir. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Assistant Principal's Office with Principal P, the MC. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform. We'll see you here next time. There's someone you should definitely look